Today's episode of Kids HealthCast comes from our Women's Health Wednesday series on Back to Health. This conversation features Dr. George Silvestri, and we discuss what expectant parents can do to prevent birth defects. Dr. Silvestri is an assistant attending obstetrician and gynecologist at New York Presbyterian Hospital while Cornell Medical Center, and he's an assistant professor of clinical obstetrics and gynecology at Weill Cornell Medical College, Cornell University. Our Women's Health Wednesday series features in-depth conversations with Weill Cornell Medicine's top physicians on issues surrounding women's health throughout the life course. Listen to Back to Health for the information and insights that will help you make the most informed and best healthcare choices for you. Dr. Silvestri, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. Tell us about birth defects, the common ones that you still see today, and what trends have shown us over the last few decades. You know, the underlying birth defect rate for anybody who's pregnant, and I say that to all my patients, is about 3%. What's been happening in the last few decades, which is really wonderful, is that we have really developed ultrasound technologies and ways to detect them ahead of time if they happen. And another thing we've done is identify risk factors for birth defects that we can eliminate and decrease the incidence of these birth defects, not only catch them when they arrive, but also decrease the incidence of them happening. So what do we know about the main causes? I know we've learned a lot over the last bunch of decades about some of those causes and even things that we know now can help prevent them. And we're going to get into those. But what have been the main causes of birth defects? It's a combination of many factors related to underlying health, medication, environmental exposures, genetics, some that we don't fully understand yet. Let's look at the most common birth defects that I see on a fairly regular basis, like cardiac defects, like heart disease, congenital heart disease is one of their main common ones, a very common one, spinal cord defect, one missing finger or limb, some brain anomalies, just to name a few. These are the ones that we see a little more frequently than others. So then why is it so important for women to see a healthcare professional before becoming pregnant and certainly throughout the course of her pregnancy? Some women, even younger women, think it's okay, I'm good, I'm healthy, I don't need to worry about these things, but there are things we've learned, right? So tell us a little bit about why it's so important. It's such a good question. The ideal time to seek prenatal care is before you become pregnant, and most women do not do that. To have a preconceptional visit is so important. Why? Because a lot of women have underlying medical conditions which can be tweaked a bit in order to have a better pregnancy. The most common thing is, let's say you take a medication while you're not pregnant. Some medications are safe, other are not. Let's look at the three more common examples for medication taking. A lot of women take meds to control their hypertension, diabetes, or more commonly to control depression and anxiety. A lot of options exist to take medications to treat these conditions that are actually compatible in pregnancy. So if you have a patient that comes, for example, on valproic acid to control her seizure disorder or epilepsy, I'm going to say, well, I'm going to switch you to a safer alternative than valproic acid, and we go on. So doing these little steps before become pregnant can substantially reduce the risk of birth defects. So I really advise women who are actively trying to get pregnant to consult the physician first, especially when they have underlying condition. Another example, let's say diabetes. 
uncontrolled diabetes is a major cause of birth defect. A woman who has uncontrolled diabetes has a 10 to 15% risk of a serious heart defect or spinal defect in the baby. If we can control the diabetes before she becomes pregnant, I can bring those risks down to the regular population, which is about 3%. So review of the medication and review of the control of the actual condition may greatly help in reducing the risk of birth defect. So important for us to hear. Now, doctor, as we've learned about vitamins over the years, we've learned so much about folic acid and its help with prenatal situations. So tell us a little bit about why taking a multivitamin, a prenatal vitamin is so important before and during pregnancy and any that are contraindicated that you'd like to discuss. Folic acid has been shown to reduce the incidence of a particular birth defect called neural tube defect, or concretely speaking, spina bifida or anencephaly, which is absence of the brain. That's a very serious birth defect, as you can imagine. So because we've noticed in the 80s and 90s that taking folic acid reduces the incidence of these birth defects, the United States has introduced fortification in the food that we eat, like flour and cereal, has introduced folic acid in those nutrients. So that, and in combination with us recommending taking folic acid before attempted pregnancy, ideally three to four months before becoming pregnant, can reduce the risk of neural tube defects. Like I gotta say that most healthy people with a healthy diet don't need much in terms of vitamin supplements. And the vitamin industry is very unregulated. So you have to be careful about vitamins such as vitamin A. If you take it in excess, it can actually increase the risk of birth defects. So consult with your physician to buy vitamins, take your folic acid. That's the best step to reduce your risk of neural tube defects specifically and possibly heart defects as well. That's such great information. Many people might not have known about vitamin A, so thank you for that. What does a woman need to know about taking her medication? Suppose she does have diabetes or she's on blood pressure medication or any of those other things that might come along with it. What do you want her to know about the safety of taking those medications during pregnancy and discussing this with her physician? It's very important because some medications for diabetes and hypertension, which are examples you just brought up, are safe in pregnancy and others aren't. Some medications work very well to control high blood pressure, but are dangerous in pregnancy. So it's important to consult with a physician to look for an alternative, which is going to decrease your risk of birth defects and control your underlying medication, be it diabetes or high blood pressure. Now, as we're speaking about medications, we all know drinking during pregnancy is contraindicated. We are not supposed to do that. But in this very stressful time that we're in right now, doctor, a lot of people are on various and sundry antidepressants. What about those kinds of things if someone is prone to depression? And we also hear about postpartum issues after pregnancy. So what about those kinds of medications like Lexapro or Xanax or any of those? Are those safe during pregnancy? And what do we say to our doctors about that? For medications to control anxiety and depression, which are very common, as you said, for the reasons that we all know, the principle of using the lowest effective dose is the best. So consult with a physician about potential alternatives to medications that you're taking to control anxiety of depression. So it's best, obviously, not to need any of these meds. But these are important medical conditions that sometimes 
psychotherapy or relaxation won't take care of. So sometimes you don't have a choice but choosing medication. So with your physician, you can choose the medication which is safest in pregnancy. I'm not going to go into the details of the specific antidepressants, but I can tell you that there are some fairly safe antidepressant and anti-anxiety medication that exist to treat these conditions. What about infections? Obviously, I mean, COVID looming around in the room here, but what precautions can a woman take? You mentioned environmental exposure at the beginning of the podcast. What precautions can women take to limit that exposure to agents that could cause birth defects or infections that could cause birth defects? Tell us a little bit about what some of those are, what we can do to hopefully prevent that many little steps that I'll go through. One of them is vaccination. So COVID vaccination has been in the news a lot lately, but let's not forget that rubella and chickenpox were and are common infections that can cause birth defects. So get your vaccination before you get pregnant. So rubella and chickenpox vaccine are available widely. And if you're not vaccinated and catch rubella, the chance of birth defects is significant. So know your status get your vaccines up to date. With respect to other infections, let's look at syphilis. Syphilis is a relatively common sexually transmitted infection in pregnancy and non-pregnancy that we screen for in early pregnancy specifically. So ideally screen for syphilis before pregnancy because syphilis can cause birth defect, one, and two, it's very easy to treat. So that's one other way. Another way is to wash your hands. If you work in areas like in the healthcare or in a childcare, a daycare center, cytomegalovirus is common. Cytomegalovirus or CMV is one of the most common causes of congenital deafness. So the way to avoid it, unfortunately, there's no vaccine yet, but they're looking for one, is to wash your hands, wash your hands, and wash your hands. So knowing your status can help you to some extent before you try to get pregnant to see if you've been infected with CMV in the past. But if you're not, you're definitely at risk of getting primary CMV in early pregnancy, and that can be devastating. So wash your hands if you work in these settings and try to avoid getting it. Finally, if you talk about infections like Zika virus. We talked about Zika virus so much in the years past. Now it's been overwhelmingly more common to talk about COVID, but Zika is a serious infection that can cause really significant birth defects. So if you can avoid traveling in areas that been infected with Zika in the past or an area where Zika is endemic, That's true. We did discuss a lot of that a few years back, certainly been overshadowed by COVID, but so important nonetheless. And before we get ready to wrap up here, what is the criteria, doctor, for testing for these defects? I mean, I had my first child at 36 and my second one at 38, so I had amnios for both. Tell us a little bit about the criteria for testing for these type of defects. When do you do it and with whom? At many stages in pregnancy, we have like the first two sonograms that you had, the one at the nuchal translucency, which is done at the end of the first trimester, and the one that you had around the time of the amnio, around 18 to 20 weeks, will screen for birth defects 
fairly effectively. So that's one of the ways. And we test everybody. Certainly women that are, of, like you said, advanced maternal age, women that are exposed to medications, women that have taken toxic medication, drugs, alcohol, marijuana, we haven't talked about it too much, but should be screened specifically with an early anatomy sonogram at 18 to 20 weeks. Like I said, in early pregnancy, we screen for the presence or absence of infection like syphilis, sometimes toxoplasmosis. So if we have it in early pregnancy, sometimes treating those infections in early pregnancy can reduce the risk of birth defects. Wow, what an informative episode this is, and you're such a great educator, and I can hear the passion in your voice. I just imagine you're a wonderful doctor for your patients as we wrap up. What would you like couples planning on having a baby to know about National Birth Defects Prevention Month, your most important information and advice, doctor? So first of all, since 50% of the pregnancies are unplanned in this country, let's make it a little more planned. Like I said, if all pregnancies were planned, we'd have less problem. And the important steps is consult with a physician before you try to be pregnant, plan to be pregnant, want to be pregnant, avoid taking medicines without consulting a doctor, don't smoke, don't drink, don't use drugs, which can cause birth defects. If you have diabetes, have it under control. If you have hypertension, have it under control. And one thing which is difficult to do is to lose weight, but obesity rates have been increasing in the last few years and decreasing your BMI might actually decrease the rate of certain birth defects. So stay healthy, exercise, don't take medication without consulting, take your folic acid, get your vaccine up to date, okay, and avoid the infections to the extent that we can. What a comprehensive list that was. Ladies, you can write all that stuff down because you heard it here from the experts at Wild Cornell Medicine. And Wild Cornell Medicine continues to see our patients in person as well as through video visits. And you can be confident of the safety of your appointments at Wild Cornell Medicine. Thank you so much, Dr. Sylvest, for joining us today. And we're so glad that you joined us for Women's Health Wednesday. We hope you'll tune in and become part of a community and a fast-growing audience of women looking for knowledge, insight, and real answers to hard questions about their bodies and their health. Please download, subscribe, rate, and review Back to Health on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. For more health tips, please visit wildcornell.org and search podcasts. I'm Melanie Cole. Back to Health is your source for the latest in health, wellness, and medical care for the whole family. Our team of world-renowned physicians at Weill Cornell Medicine are having in-depth conversations covering trending health topics, wellness tips, and medical breakthroughs. With the spotlight on our collaborative approach to patient care, the series will present cutting-edge treatments, innovative therapies, as well as real-life stories that will answer common questions for both patients and their caregivers. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, don't forget to rate us five stars. All information contained in this podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes. The information is not intended nor suited to be a replacement or substitute for professional medical treatment or for professional medical advice relative to a specific medical question or condition. We urge you to always seek the advice of your physician or medical professional with respect to your medical condition or questions. While Cornell Medicine makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast, and any reliance on such information is done at your own risk. Participants may have consulting, equity, 
board membership, or other relationships with pharmaceutical, biotech, or device companies unrelated to their role in this podcast. No payments have been made by any company to endorse any treatments, devices, or procedures. And while Cornell Medicine does not endorse, approve, or recommend any product, service, or entity mentioned in this podcast, opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker and do not represent the perspectives of Weill Cornell Medicine as an institution.